doing? We're starting a brand new series today. It's called Massive, and I'm super excited about this series. It's going to be a four-part series, and uh, it's going to lead us right up to Thanksgiving. And uh, just at the very start of this series, uh, I wanted to do an exercise, but I thought it would take a little too long. I was going to pass out some pens and paper and get you all to draw a picture of what you think God looks like. And I wonder what it would be. I wonder if we all got together and we just started drawing some pictures what God would look like. What would your God look like? Uh, you'd probably be inspired by maybe your theology of God. Maybe your experience of God in the past. Uh, maybe your, your drawing of God would center around maybe your present problems in your life or present joys that you have in your life right now. Or maybe you'd just be completely stuck And you wouldn't have a clue what to draw because you've never really thought about what God really looks like. But you know, there's something deep inside of me that thinks that sometimes we have this view of this world that is so short-sighted that we really don't understand how great God really is. So a couple of, uh, about a month ago, I had some family coming to town from England. My cousin Sally, her husband Chris, and then their little three-year-old boy, Micah. Micah is a character. He's got so much personality, and uh, he showed me uh, things that uh, I don't think I've ever seen a three-year-old do in my life. And uh, he was not shy in telling me when he needed to go to the bathroom or showing that he went to the bathroom. You know, I mean, he was just, he was just his personality, big personality. But Micah had something. Uh, I met him last year, last July for the first time when he was two years old. So he was a little shy. But this time when we met him, I went to pick them up at BWI one night and they got in the car and I said to Micah, I said, Micah, how was the airplane? And he said, it was massive. I mean, like, he's like this British, thick British accent. He was like, it was massive. And I was like, cool. So we got to the house, and, uh, and at the back of our house, back of our yard, we got this swing set and slide there. And he saw it, and he runs out, and he goes, stop playing on the swings. And he comes back, and I was like, hey, do you enjoy playing on the swings? He goes, yeah, the swings were massive. I'm like, no, they weren't. They were tiny. But to him, they were like massive. And so then the next day, um, they went to the park right by John Carroll. There's like this big fort there. And he came back, and I said, Micah, how, how was the fort? He said, the fort was massive. And then the very next day, we, uh, it was like 85 degrees in October, which was great. So uh, it was when the government shutdown was on, and we were supposed to go to Washington, D.C., so there was nothing to see. So we went to the beach instead. So we went to the beach, and we went to Lewis, Delaware, and, uh, and, and there was us and a bunch of retired people. I mean, it was great. And, uh, and, 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 and the sea was just as calm as I've ever seen the sea down there on, on, on the ocean, uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And... Uh, uh, I was there with my wife, with uh, Micah's mom and dad, and none of them wanted to get into the water because it was too cold. So Uncle Alex decides, okay, I'll go take you to the water. So Micah had never been to the beach before, never really seen the sea, even though he lives in England. They're really close. It's just too cold to go. So we went there, and, and I took him to the, to, the, uh, to, to the water, and it was really cold, but he didn't care. And the waves were the lamest waves I've ever seen in Lewis, Delaware. But the waves started coming. 
And Micah could not believe these waves. He got so excited. He was like, these waves are massive. And he started saying, this is wicked. And this is where he's saying all this stuff. But he was like, they're massive. And then like a really big one would come. And he was like, that was massive. And then the next day, we went to New York City. And uh, we're in New York City. And everything's massive in New York City. But we walk into the Toys R Us. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Toys R Us in Times Square. But it is the coolest place in the world. I don't care if you're a kid kid or an adult. I love it there myself. So we walk in, there's this big Ferris wheel. And what are the words that come out of his mouth as soon as he sees this big Ferris wheel? That's massive, you know? And we even went down to Baltimore and there's like these lame little like, like uh, dragon boats. And he even thought those were massive. To Micah, everything he saw was massive. Everything. He, this was his view of life. His view of life was, I am so small in comparison to everything else. I'm so small in comparison to everything else. And it made me wonder, I wonder if we had a Micah view of God, I wonder if our faith, our life, and our understanding of God would actually change. And so this morning, I want to ask you three questions. I want to look at how big, how massive really is God. And I want to ask you three questions in the hope that we start to understand how big God really is and what God wants from you and from me. So the first question I want to ask you today is this. Does God impress you? Does God impress you? Let me, uh, let me read uh, two verses, two scriptures for you. First one's found in Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, verses, we'll read verses uh, 1 to 6. It says there, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sword or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. And then the second verse is Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, and we'll read verses 4 to 7. It says there, Jesus was speaking, and he says, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I tell you whom to fear, fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yet he's the one to fear. Then he says this, What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins. That was the price back then. It says, yet God does not forget a single one of them, the sparrows. Then he says this, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. So we've got two verses I just read there, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, one declaring uh, about the greatness of God, and then one saying about the intimacy of God. Now, as I read those verses, I wonder this morning, when you heard those words or you read them on the screen, I wonder if those words overwhelmed you. 
I wonder if they overwhelmed you. Did they make your heart leap with just the splendor and the glory and the power of God as you read those verses? And I'll be honest with you this morning. Some of you may be like super holy and like praise Jesus, you know, when you heard those. But I bet 95% of us this morning, our hearts may have been unmoved. When we read those, I don't know if, you, if you've ever read your Bible. Sometimes I read my Bible and I read stuff and you hear the most amazing thing, but sometimes your heart is unmoved. We may have thought, some of us may have thought this morning, wow, God really knows how many hairs are on our head. You're like, wow, that's incredible. Some of you guys here this morning who have got no hair, you thought that incredible at all. I know how many hairs are on my head. You count them every morning. Like, there's one less. Oh, no. But let me try to put this in perspective for you this morning. The Bible in Psalm chapter 19 says that the heavens proclaim the glory of God. And the skies, they display God's craftsmanship. So the skies, the heavens, the the space, the stars, all those, they declare the glory of the Lord. And when you look up into the sky, whether it's in the day or the night, you're seeing God's craftsmanship. Basically, you're seeing God's Sunday afternoon hobby. Just something that, that he enjoys to do. You see a creator. And if that's the case, then just how big and how powerful is God? I want to give you some facts this morning. Because I want us to kind of get out of this view of it's just us in this world. And there's a whole bigger world out there. If you look at the, the sky tonight, uh, it's not going to be a full moon tonight. But you may see the moon if, the, if there's no clouds. And you'll see this bright shining moon in the sky. And that is the closest object in space to the earth. And if you wanted to make a day trip to the moon, say you got all the kids together, you wanted to get in the minivan, and, uh, and you said, hey, kids, let, let's go to the moon for the day. It would take you about an hour and a half if you were driving at 60 miles an hour and you went straight up. It would take you about an hour and a half to get into space. That's all. Not, not long at all. I mean, some, some mornings you can't even get to Baltimore, you know, in an hour and a half. And you could get into space, you know, no traffic, no congestion, just straight up. So an hour and a half to get into space, it would take you traveling at 60 miles an hour, not stopping for gas, not stopping for for toilet breaks, bathroom breaks, not stopping at McDonald's on the way, just straight there. It would take you another five months to get to the moon. An hour and a half to get into space, another five months to get to the moon. And then there's another object that we see in the sky. We see it every day. You'll see it this morning out there. Something called the sun. The sun is approximately about a million times bigger than planet Earth. You know, there's places on planet Earth that we have never, ever even explored. But yet the sun is about a million times bigger than planet Earth. If you wanted to take a day trip to the moon, it would take you about 93 million miles to get to, sorry, to the sun. 93 million miles to get to the sun. 
Let's talk about our solar system that has the, the, you know, the, 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 the sun, then has all the planets, what, nine planets, but they don't think Pluto's really a planet, so I don't know, who, who knows? But so, so they've got, we've got our solar system. Our solar system, it is estimated, is spinning through space at 132 miles per second, and yet it never slips out of control. 132 miles per second. Second, no wonder when some of you come up the stairs, you feel a little dizzy and stuff. But yet it never slips out of control. Never. Not one day. Scientists believe that our sun, which is a million, which is a million times bigger than the earth, our sun is one of over 200 billion stars in the Milky Way. That's a whole lot of stars, I'm telling you. Imagine getting that many gold stars when you go to a school or something, you know? 200 billion. Planet Saturn, which is one of our furthest uh, uh, planets away in the solar system, is estimated to be about a billion miles away, and it sits about a thousand times bigger than our planet Earth alone. And that's not even a star, that's just a planet. You know, tonight, if you look in the night sky and you see the stars, every single star that you will see, whether you do it here in Bel Air where you can't see much or you go up to North Hartford where you can see like all the stars, every single star that you will see in the night sky is actually from our own Milky Way galaxy. You don't see any other star from any other galaxy. All those are from the Milky Way galaxy galaxy. But yet it is estimated that the Milky Way galaxy is just one of over 125 billion galaxies in our universe. That's a lot. That's a whole lot of galaxies. You know, 1977, we launched a human-made spaceship, spacecraft called the Voyager. And the Voyager was sent up into space to explore space. Right now, the Voyager is currently traveling through space at an estimated 40,000 miles per hour. That's, that's pretty fast. I'm like, you could get to New York, London, you know, Paris pretty quick on that 40,000 miles per hour. And today, 36 years later, after it was launched, it has just got to the edge of our own solar system. 40,000 miles per hour, and it's only just got to the edge of our solar system. That's basically like, like, like this. If you decided to get in your car one morning, and you went on a drive for 36 years, it would be like you got out of your driveway, and you got to the end of your street. That's the equivalent. That's a long, long way. That, then the next closest galaxy to the Milky Way is called Andromeda. And Andromeda, it is estimated, is over 10 million, million, million miles away. Try to put the zeros on that one. 10 million, million, million miles away. If you were traveling at the speed of light, it would take 200 million years to reach. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, who, who could even imagine those numbers? Let me just put all this in perspective. If, say, our own Earth was the universe, then... Our own planet would be about the size of an ant. If our own Earth was the universe, then our own planet would be about the size of an ant. Let me ask you, are you impressed with God yet? Are you impressed with God? Remember, the skies display God's craftsmanship. The heavens proclaim His glory. But yet, despite the vastness of God, and those numbers are 
unbelievable. Despite the vastness of God, we are told in Luke uh, chapter 12 that God, the creator, is so detail-oriented that he even knows how many hairs are on your head. The king of this vastness knows you better than you know yourself. Are you impressed with God yet? Let me ask you another question this morning. Is God big enough for you? Is God big enough for you? You may think, Alex, that's just a crazy question. You just said all those things and, you know, God must be big, some big thing. But let me ask you, in your life right now, is God big enough for you? If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Start reading the very, the very first words in the Bible. Genesis 1 chapter 1. It says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So all those facts that we just said there, all those stars, those billions of stars, all, those, all that vastness, all those millions of miles it would ever take to reach at the speed of light, all that. In the beginning, there was God, and then God created all of that. This big, huge, massive God, God created all of that. Then it says in verse 2, it says, The earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And the evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. So we got God who crafted this mass universe, one day looked upon a little planet that we know as planet Earth. He saw it was dark, it was lifeless, it was formless. All it had was just water that went over the deep, this deep, dark mass. And one day, God looked upon this lifeless, dark planet, and in a moment of great power, and through just the words of God's mouth, He spoke light into being. In one moment, God said, let there be light, and the sun was lit. Just like light and match, it was lit. The whole sun was lit. Then, after he spoke the light into being, then he spoke order into being. The Bible says that he called the the light day, and then he created the darkness, and the darkness was night. And what that was, the earth was orbiting. It was spinning. And so we have night and day. And in just one moment, God spoke order into being. God spoke the law of physics into being. God spoke the climate and the clouds and the weather systems into being. Through the power of his voice, then he spoke life into being. And he spoke vegetation into being. And and animals and eventually human beings. And he put life in you and me just with the words of his voice. I ask you today, how big do you need God to be in your life right now? How personal do you need God to be right now? 
Maybe you're going through some situations in your life and you're just like thinking, where is God? Is God big enough for me? Does God have what it takes to, to take care of the things in my life? If God can take a lifeless planet and through the words of his voice, turn this lifeless planet into this incredible thing that we call planet earth, then how much more can God do for you, his children? And no matter what you're going through in your life right now, God is big enough to take care of anything. If he can speak the universe into existence, then God can speak into your problems and into your situations, into your family, into your marriages, into your finances into the things that, those deep, dark emotions that come out in your life, and those things that you are struggling with, God can speak those into those and eliminate those problems immediately. Is God big enough for you today? You better believe he is. Then the last question I have, does God impress you? Is God big enough for you? And the very last question I have, and this is where I want to challenge you today, are you child enough for God? Are you child enough for God? You know, I like kids' movies. I just like kids' movies, you know. I really don't care what people think. I just like watching kids' movies. And I watched a movie a couple of years ago, and I think last year, and it was, it was called Horton Hears a Who. And it's a, a movie based on the Dr. Seuss book. And there's this, this guy called, or elephant, I should say, called Horton. And Horton is this elephant, and this like speck of dust, this flower like falls on him, and he and he picks up this flower and he hears something in this like little speck of flower. And the movie then goes into what is actually in this little speck. And in this speck, there is this whole planet, there's this whole life species called Whoville. And the people are called Who, the people of Who. And, and, and the people of who have this concept that they are the universe. Their little speck is the universe. Everything centers around them. What they don't realize is that they're being held by this big fat elephant, you know? And then this elephant is on a planet, and who knows what is on this planet that the elephant is on. And sometimes, just sometimes, I think we sometimes are the people of Whoville, and we think life is just it. This is it. This is what it's all about. Just this, this little planet that we are on. And our view of God centers around our lives, not around the truths of God's word. And the truths of God's word says that God is a great God and the heavens proclaim his glory. It's not just about this little world that we live in. And to be honest, I really think that we sometimes need to view God like Micah views the world. Luke chapter 18, verse 16. Luke 18, verse 16. Jesus was teaching and some children came to him and everyone was like shooing the children away because they were getting on everyone's nerves. And in verse 16 it says, Then Jesus called for the children. And he said to the disciple, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, 
Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. I've always struggled with this verse. I've always struggled. God, what does it mean to come to you like a child? To come like being this like little brat, you know? I mean, is that what it means? Just demanding and demanding, not letting you get any sleep, you know? Does it mean I just get like dirty and like go and roll in the mud or something? What does it mean? Go and play with my Barbies, you know? I don't have any Barbies, by the way. (laughs) So just to clarify. And Jesus demands that we come to him and our heavenly father like a child. And you know, it took a three-year-old, this little blonde-headed three-year-old to make me realize what this verse means. I started looking at Micah and Micah's view of the world and it was massive. Everything to him was massive. He was so small in comparison. It was massive. And I realized that there is a massive God out there who is so much bigger, so much greater, so much more powerful than anything I could ever be or do. And he is to be worshipped and adored. We are to look at him in awe and wonder. You know... After Micah had left and they'd gone home, I remember one morning I was lying in bed, Raquel had gone to work, and it's one of those mornings where the snooze button kept getting hit. And I was just lying there, and I just felt God say this to me. Just in a very quiet way, I felt God say, why don't you look at me like Micah looks at the world? Why don't you look at me like Micah looks at the world? Why don't you have this excitement about me like Micah has about the world. When, when, when you read my word, why isn't there is this excitement like there is when a little wave comes up to Micah? When you look in the night sky, why isn't there this excitement like, like there was with Micah when, when he saw this Ferris wheel in Toys R Us? Well, why isn't there is this excitement like Micah has? And I realized because this world had come about me. Me, myself, and I. This little world that we live in. And I ask you this morning, when you come to God, do you come to God in awe? When you pray and you bring your requests to God, do you come and bring those requests like he is the one who controls the sun and the stars? He is the one who spoke the world into existence. He is the one who can do more than you could ever imagine or think of. When you come to God, does your heart skip a beat? Because you're speaking to the creator. The one who was here before the world began. I grew up in church, and I went to Sunday school, and one thing I love about our church is that the kids just love coming to church, because when I grew up, I hated church, you know, I mean, we would just try every excuse to get out of church, we would hide in closets and stuff like that, so we wouldn't have to go to the awful Sunday school teacher, Um, and and I was the pastor's kid, yeah, yeah. But we used to sing this song in kids' church, and the lyrics went like this. It says, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. 
And we used to sing it, and we used to dance and sing and go in the car, and we, we would sing it and time over and over again, and my dad would get annoyed. He'd be like, quit singing. Give me some peace and quiet, you know, and, and, and stuff. And, and, and we believed when we were kids that like, this God was so big and so mighty. But as we become adults and we grow and we have disappointments in life, and, and then things happen in life, and, and sometimes we pray and we don't hear God. Sometimes we ask and we don't think he answers. Suddenly, God isn't so big and so strong, and so mighty. But yet the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. He is a big God. He is a massive God. And He is to be worshipped and adored. And I think, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I need to start viewing like God like that again. And if our view of God does not blow our mind, if it doesn't just totally blow our minds, then we probably have an incorrect view of God. He was the one who was here before the world began. He is the one who went down in history, throughout history. He's been called the Ancient of Days. He was the one that they said he is the first and he is the last. He is the bright and the morning star. It's what they called him in Bible days. He is the one who is all-knowing. He knows everything about everything. He is all-powerful. He is ever-present. He is the creator God, and he is to be worshipped and adored. And Hebrews chapter 11 says that it is by faith that we come to God. It is through faith that we believe that he is the creator. Through generations gone by, Hebrews 11 said it was by faith that these great saints came to God and they cried out to God and they heard from God. And it is through faith this morning that you will believe that he is a creator. Our God is a massive, incredible, big God who is to be worshipped and adored. And if there's one thing I want you to leave this place today knowing, that God is bigger He is stronger. He is more mighty. He is more powerful than anything in this world. And he is to be worshipped and adored. Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning.